Welcome to the Dreams and Money podcast, the ultimate guide to creating and living your best life. Join me as I talk to inspiring, trailblazing millennials who are breaking barriers and being bosses in their careers and personal lives. Welcome everyone to episode 11 of the Dreams and Money podcast. I'm your host, Noma, and as usual, I have a special guest for you. And this time it is Sebi, who is a co-founder of Las Olas, which is a premium spice rum company. Hi, Sebi. Hi, how are you doing? Um, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. No, of course, of course. Thank you for coming on and um, talking to me. Uh, it's fun. How's quarantine treating you so far? Are you Um, excited to finally be free and, you know? I think I'm probably the opposite, you know. I'm still still shook of coronavirus. So I'm looking at everybody going out and I'm just like, are you guys sure? Um, So for me, I'm still like... Yeah, pretty much happy to no, be there. I've been doors anyway. My 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 home is my office, isn't it? So yeah, like I'm yeah. Fine. So you just work from home a lot. Um, yeah. But in it, so let's get into that. Let's get into your work. So you are co-founder of Las Olas. Tell me a little bit more about yourself and the company. Yeah, so Las Olas is a premium spice rum company, but for us, we're just not any ordinary rum company because when you look at you know certain rum companies. They don't really, a lot of rum companies here that were founded here don't really appeal to our culture. We're also the first premium spice rum company in the UK. Um, I'm not too sure about the world, but definitely in the UK. And a lot of them kind of appeal to like older, the older generation. And yeah, just you you can tell they, they do that by like the way how, you know, their bottles are and things like that. But then you have other companies that were founded elsewhere that come in and realize, okay, this culture is really, really cool. So they're buying to the culture. So there are bigger brands that, you know, are in this space. But for us, we're like the first UK brand in this current space that are actually of the culture, born in the culture and, you know, for, you know, black people. Yeah. And I was looking at one of your interviews and, you know, you, you mentioned that a lot of companies that own spirit companies and particularly rum companies, you know, they, they're not black owned. Um, and the reason why that's interesting is because rum is a spirit that is mainly produced in the Caribbean and comes from that side of the world, which of course is predominantly black. So it's interesting how majority of the owners within that that space are not from that culture and are not black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. It's, it's very interesting. It's one of those things where it's like when you look at the whole landscape of rum, so rum started from the Europeans voyaging, going into Africa, taking slaves, and then seeing, oh, what's this thing? Oh, it's sugarcane. So taking, you know, the sugarcane from, I think it's Papua New Guinea, and they took some sugarcane from India, then planting planting the sugarcane in Barbados. Now, when you actually go into, all they wanted to do is make sugar. And the African uh, slaves that had been, that had, you know, been taken to Barbados at that time, they still had techniques of West Africa of, of fermenting to make palm oil. So they started experimenting and they had like a premature version 
of rum and then eventually you know somebody came up with the process of distilling it to actually have the product that we have today so when you look at it it's very very deep rooted in blackness in black culture african and caribbean culture but not many black owners you know recently there's i've seen there are a few more black owners popping up here and there but i feel like only i am in the space in regards to black music black culture Everybody else is still, you know, on this old school rum theme. And for us, I thought that when I look at rum and I look at, you know, the the whole landscape of it, I think it's, it's up to us to, to dictate how we want this product to be marketed, who we want it to serve and just be authentic. So, yeah, like it's a bit sad that there isn't many black founders, but they are, there's more coming to light. And I've been doing my bit trying to help people that are trying to get into the alcohol industry. Yeah. And what I saw whilst I was doing like more research is that in terms of black black owned spirit companies, you know, like we don't really have that many examples. Um, we have loads of examples of ambassadors. So for instance, we have P. Diddy with Ciroc. Um, he's not necessarily the owner of Ciroc, however, he is kind of the, the main ambassador and has part, I think it's like part shares and um he gets about 50% of the revenue that comes from yeah. Ciroc. However, he doesn't own the entire company. We have Jay-Z, who's got his own, I believe, but I'm not sure if he owns the entire thing. He may be, again, like a part owner, somebody that was brought in at a later stage to be a representative. Um, we have who was 50 Cent, who is, again, an ambassador for FN Vodka. Again, he's not the main owner, I believe. I believe he's um, somebody that was brought on later. Um, at a later stage but for you you kind of started from the ground up and decided to make something something that was your own where why how like what what was the initial thought process to thinking wow like, I want to create something that's my own especially because again we don't have that many examples of people that have done that before yeah um no that's an interesting question so in regards to that whole aspect of trying to create something that's my own that's always been ingrained in me so even, you know, in school, always trying to, you know, sell chocolates or sell donuts or, you know, sell this or sell DVDs or sell games or whatever. It's <laughs> so just, it's you, just you were that person coming to school with the, with the big duffel bag, with the donuts? 100, and, 100%. Um... <laughs> 100%. I was, I was definitely that guy at one stage where I went through the phase of that's what I was doing. It, like it was the cool thing. The cool thing to do in my school was to hustle like eventually it became uncool and like nobody was doing it. All we was doing is just taking the little kids donuts and stuff like that. But at one stage it was very cool to hustle. And I also, uh, I also remember like one of my biggest life lessons that I learned, I think I learned this in year 10. So I remember everybody was selling donuts and everybody's competing for the same market share because there's only a certain amount of people that are buying donuts per day, but a lot of people want to get involved in it, in the business. And I remember saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wake up early. So the next day, after being frustrated about not selling out, I went to Tesco. I remember taking the bus super early, maybe at 6 a.m. Bear in mind that I start school maybe like eight something or something like that. So I went to Tesco when it first opened. Uh, where everybody bought their donuts and I bought every single donut on the shelf and the ones that I couldn't buy I hid and then in my head I felt like yeah I'm the man I've just cornered the whole market 
No, all I did is give great business to Tesco because all they did is they saw in 30 minutes all the donuts are gone and just made more. <laughs> so oh, that was, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that was a great lesson for me because I was thinking, I was trying to be too greedy. I'm thinking I need to dominate this whole market. And then I realized, wait, there's always a bigger company that can just, you know, reproduce more or, yeah. you know, exactly. So, yeah, it's just always been in me. And, um, like, even before this, my two friends that are my co-founders of uh, Las Olas, we, were, we started buying and selling cars. So we was, we was buying and selling cars. So we was doing that for a bit. And then, like, even, like, while working, it was always, I was always working until I found something I was passionate about. And that thing that I was passionate about happened to be rum. And it's funny that you, you talk about, like, representation, because prior to rum, even though I loved rum, in my head, I was like, how could I do a rum? Because I don't know nobody that's doing a rum. There's mm. nobody that I can look up to and say, yeah, this person's done it, so let me do it. So in my head, before rum, I wanted to do a vodka. But it wasn't me. It wasn't something that I was passionate about. It's just like, I'm interested in alcohol. I love rum, but I don't know how to do rum. So let me do a vodka. And because I see P. Diddy, I'm thinking if Diddy can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. But like, thank God, like to my girlfriend, because she was like, listen, you're learning about rum. Just start a rum company. And that was like, I was thinking, how the hell do I do that? Like, how the hell do I start a rum company? But again, as I say, like the internet, man, you can find anything on the internet. And you can find anything by, by going out there and networking. And, you know, God willing, like I managed to get that up and running. What I found the most interesting is you come across as somebody who you have a, a confidence in who you are and what you can do. And I feel like that confidence potentially translated to you being like, I have no idea how to start a rum company, where to go, who to contact, who would be a distiller, like where do I even get the stuff from but you were like I can do it and I'm gonna find the information and get it done is that something that you've kind of always had or it's kind of developed over time because I feel Mm. like for a lot of people like it's you have this idea and this vision but for some people it's maybe not having that strong enough conviction or the confidence to kind of get up and do it and then they end up being stuck within the idea stage within the research stage and the, the product never comes, the service never comes, the, the business never gets created. I think um, I think my confidence has been growing since I was a kid. So I feel like I've been building up to this moment, whereas I, I don't think I was always the person that, oh, let's find a way and get something. Yeah, I, I think maybe at some times I was that person, but the type of person I am now is like, I feel like anything can get done you just have to do enough research and, you know, if this person can do it, then I can do it. One thing that I've always had confidence is if one person can do it, how can I not do it? It doesn't make any sense. If two people can do it, then I can definitely do it. So, you know, I'm not the first rum company to start from scratch. However, at the time, it seemed like I was the first person in the UK and I'm probably the youngest person. I don't want to say the youngest person in the world, maybe the youngest person in the Western world, I don't know. But like at that time, I was definitely very, very young, but I was ambitious, you know, and I've always been ambitious. And I feel like more than confidence, it's just been my ambition. I've always been the one that wanted to grab the biggest pie rather than settle for the smaller thing. Because I'm thinking, why not? Like, why not? You only, you only have one life. And imagine when I have a kid, 
just saying, oh, you know what, you know, when I was your age, I wanted to do this, but, you know, I'd rather just do that. But no, for me, I'm just like, listen, I only have one life. I might as well do it. And everything I've been through in life has kind of built me up to, like, to this stage that I'm at right now. Yeah. And how old were you when you actually started the process of creating the company? So I've just turned 26, 25, turning 20. So I was 25 when I had the idea and then 26 when I kind of moved everything into motion. And what has that journey been like for you? I can imagine it's not been smooth sailing. What are some of the challenges you've had to overcome as a new business owner? Yeah, where do I start? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it it's definitely hasn't. Yeah, definitely hasn't been smooth. You know, um, for me. So at one stage, one of my ideas was for rum to come from the UK. So I wanted to create rum in the UK, and um, I remember going through the process of you know tasting or whatever, and then halfway through the tasting, I get told I can't develop my own recipe. And then I'm just like, all right, cool. Like it's a bit disheartening, but I'm thinking, Why? I don't know. Why? Because basically that you? that company wanted to have exclusive recipes. So whatever they create for somebody, they didn't want to tell them what was in it. I don't know why it was it was the it's the weirdest thing ever, because I haven't experienced that till this day. But yeah, that was like something. And imagine I'd gone through like half this journey just thinking, yeah, I'm gonna work with this company. And then eventually, like, through, like, travelling and stuff like that, I started to realise, like, what rum meant to, like, other communities. So, you know, I went to Barbados, I went to Jamaica, went to Belize, went to Honduras, went to Guatemala. And you start thinking, you start seeing the imprint that the Europeans left and where, you know, there's so many black people or descendants of black people all across, you know, the, the West Indies, the Caribbean. There's, there's so many black people or descendants of black people all across the world. And I was thinking, I want to get into rum, but what rum is represented, like what rum represents the UK culture? And when you, when I mean UK culture, I look at London and I think London's a melting pot of culture. Do you know what I mean? You look at um, second generation Caribbean Africans that are currently living here and making something of themselves. What rum represents that? Like who's the who's the rum guy for that? Because for me, when I look at certain countries, I say, oh, that's the rum for that country. That's the rum for that country. And these companies are big, so they've managed to come here and make their influence, you know, be felt here. But I'm thinking, who's the rum of like? What's the rum of this generation? And I thought to myself, why don't I create that? Like, why can't I create that? So. You know, eventually, um, through like networking, before I even get to the networking part, so after they said that the recipe couldn't um, be done, they, no, sorry, wouldn't be given to me. They then said, turn around one day randomly and said, you know what, your contract isn't viable. So you're not ordering enough for, for your contract to be viable for us, so we can't do it. So I've already told people I'm having a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making a rum, I'm doing all of this and whatever, and they turn around and tell me, la sorry we can't do it so at that wow. point I'm thinking what the hell do I do like, so you had to kind I'm of re- like go back to the drawing board and start fresh exactly so I had to go back to the drawing board and start fresh and you know through like networking I managed to get into contact with a few distilleries you know in, in Jamaica and Barbados um, and just going there and speaking to a few people that are in the know and that's how I managed to get my white rum. And it was so perfect because it made sense. I was like, we're second generation Caribbean um, Africans right here in London. And, and then 
on top of that, I get the white spirits from Barbados and Jamaica and I spice it here in London, which is a perfect, it's perfectly bringing the whole story together. And, you know, I look at everything and I think we are here to disturb the rum industry. We're here to cause a, a ripple effect where people are more conscious of, uh, about where your rum comes from, where your drinks come from, where your spirits come from. You're more conscious about that. And yeah, that was just one of the biggest things that happened to me because it took me a while to, you know, find and create those contacts to get um, spirits from the Caribbean. But eventually I got there. But other than that, there's been many things. Like even, for example, prior to launching, we recorded and filmed uh, a bunch of content. We paid for content that would last us for maybe like three, four months. The person who filmed the content just went ghost. So imagine that the person who filmed it just went ghost and that's your whole rollout to start your whole business. So again, we had to get creative. I had to get creative and think, what what can we do? Who can we partner up with? And, um, you know, we managed to figure it out. With me and my friend's help, we managed to just figure it out because I have a decent network. So, you know, people in my network were were happy to, to help me. And at one stage, I was thinking, oh, it was only a month in, but I was so like, I was I was playing too too much vanity metrics. I was like, oh, I ain't getting enough retweets. My first promo video banged and I ain't got no more promo videos and nobody's talking about it. And Okay, so let's be talking about how you've managed to get get people talking about it and what your marketing strategy strategy has been like and putting you know just putting it out there and, and getting people interested so I saw that Stormzy named Las Olas as one of his favorite rums which is amazing how did you get it into his hands um so that that goes perfectly with the story of the videographer um losing my content so after the videographer lost my content I was thinking, what do I do now? So one of my friends who, her brother is like Stormzy's A&R, but she's really, really close friends with one of Stormzy's other managers as well. So when I I messaged her and I said to her, can you get this? I, I was just like, I was so angry, yeah? And usually I don't really ask my friends for things, but because the videographer had lost the content, I was just like, oh, hell Mary, let me just ask something. So I asked her, would you be able to get a bottle of rum to Stormzy? I didn't want no, like, I didn't want no press or anything. I was just like, yeah, like if you could get it, that would be sick. And then she was like, okay, cool. Uh, leave it with me. So long story short, maybe like um, two, two, three days later, I get some email from some some random email that I've never seen. And the email's basically saying, oh, um, can you send the rum to, I think it was Seville in Spain. And at that time, we had been having troubles with some of our supply chain. So I'm thinking, I don't even know if this is real. They're saying it's for Stormzy. I'm still thinking it's not real. And I'm thinking, like, this is so confusing. And then I, I messaged my friend. I was like, wait, is Stormzy doing like an article or something? And she didn't really know too tough. But she said, yeah, it must be that. But I didn't want, I didn't think of anything like that. I was thinking, yeah, just get, just get the bottle into his hands. That would be really cool. So anyway, um, yeah, I get this email and then long story short, I have to send this bottle. It's a Thursday and I have to get this bottle to Seville by Tuesday. Thinking like, <laughs> what, what, what the hell do I do? Like, how do I get this bottle to Seville by Tuesday and it's a Thursday? 
and my supply chain was moving mad. So I found some random thing on Google where this company gets like couriers to take it, take your bottle like internationally and stuff like that. Yeah. So imagine I've booked it and I basically need to take the bottle somewhere and I booked it. It must have cost me like a hundred pounds or whatever. And when that, so and then I take cab to the place. And when I get to the place, the shutters are closed. So oh. imagine, yeah, the shutters are closed. And I'm thinking, wait, nah, how can you be closed? You've just on your on your website is open. The shutters are closed. So I'm calling, calling the number, calling, calling the number. Maybe after. 20 minutes and imagine the cab's waiting for me maybe after 20 minutes someone picks up and the guy was just like oh yeah I was just getting ready to go out so I said no no you have to open your shutters so long story short he opened his shutters I gave the bottle to him and uh yeah Stormzy you know tastes it he does a guess edit and then just uh, and then after his album like I think after his album someone says like you're probably going to be in the Guardian on this date so I just go to you know the nearest petrol station and then, yeah, I just see we was in the garden. And for me, it was just crazy for us. Like, I was just like, yeah, this is such a big look. And Storms is just such a real person because he didn't need to do that. It's just offered the strength that I'm black, I'm black owned and respect what he respected what I was doing. That's why he done it. So And he was just that, open to supporting you. Yeah, just open to support. And, he, and and since then, since then, he's even supported, you know, whether that be me going to his credit show and, you know, him doing videos with a bottle or before he um, uh, come off Instagram, he was doing videos um, on his, on his um, yeah, Insta story, just off the whim, like just doing it. He was just literally just doing it. And for me, I was just thinking, yeah, this guy's just such a real guy because he doesn't need to do this. But because he's so, he's so for the culture and so for black people, yeah, even some of the things he said to me, and I was thinking, yeah, this guy's uh, a proper, proper real guy. So that definitely helped a bit. And another thing um, that kind of helped a bit is just being at the right places. Events like DLT are always popping and stuff like that. So just being there yeah. and being with people and just being organic. Do you know what I mean? I'm just organic and being being myself in it. So people are just buying into buying into me. Um, like the people at DLT, they're my friends. Like they're the nicest people ever. They are always willing to help. Always bringing up ideas, what we can do, how we can collab. And they, they believed in the product as well. So they were always happy for me to come and promote and take pictures and show my bottle in an event and give samples in an event, even though I shouldn't have been doing it. Um, that was a massive thing for me. DLT was massive because it just allowed me to kind of be there and just be myself, really. It's testament to how just like if we support each other and, you know, just like as a community come together, how far we can push each other along i mean i've seen that especially within the last two weeks there was um black pound day which was trending and that was a day where people were actively supporting and actively purchasing items and services from black owned businesses and there were so many testimonies of people saying you know like they either were selling out on that day or you know that their sales jumped by at least 20 30 50 percent um on that particular day and on that particular week so we really you know, it is important to kind of get behind each other and support each other. And like, you're, you sound like you have such a strong support system around you. Um, and you, you work with your friends as well. How has that been like, and has that affected your guys' relationships? Like, what's that journey been like for you as a group? Um, so 
that's a that's a good question. For me, I feel like um, when people people are picking co-founders, very important. So one of my co-founders is my best friend, and I'm godfather to his daughter. So that relationship can never ever be in jeopardy. If worst comes to worst, one of us will always say, you know what, I'm in the wrong. And that's one thing you have to do. You have to take your ego out of it. Very early on, when it was quite stressful, there might be times where we're arguing. But this isn't the first time we've argued. We've argued about loads of things. We argue, do you know what I mean? Like, that's mm. just our relationship. Everybody's always said, we're like brothers. And we argue like brothers. So this is no different. Having a business is no different. It's not the first time we made money together. So the money will never be an issue in regards to um, the business aspect. That will never be an issue. Um, so with him, it's cool. And then my other friend, who's a co-founder, Sam, like he, again, that's somebody I've known for so long. And he's so, you know, laid back and so cool. And I don't think we've, I don't think, it's funny, like me and my closest friend, we've had more arguments than me and Sam, the other co-founder. And that's because like me and my closest friend have strong personalities where Sam is more like laid back. He is a bit strong, but he's just, he's probably the most laid back. So it kind of works. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah, the, the, the best. The difference brings you guys make a stronger team. Exactly. Exactly. And again, it's not the first time we've we've had a business together. So that's also important. We've experienced this before. So it, for me, you just have to be very lucky when picking co-founders. One, you, you either had to have worked with them before and had that experience. Or two, yeah, you just got to be lucky and you just got to, you know, you just got to say, I'm willing to take a chance and yeah, just take a chance. I think the fact that, you know, I'm sure you have the same values and this is not your first business that you were starting I mean, starting and creating together. So you almost know each other's working styles. Um, Now, with creating a spirit business, like I said before, this is something that we don't see every day. You know, it's different from a fashion business. It's different from opening up. It could be, you know, like an e-commerce business that we see every other day. This is something that's very out of the norm. And I feel like it's the sort of business that could be, that could last generations and generations to come. There are certain um, spirit businesses, I'm sure, that have been here for for decades and decades and multiple generations and will be passed on to generations to come. And potentially this is something that you're creating. Is it something that you thought about initially when you went into it? You know, kind of legacy and generational wealth and all of that kind of stuff. I I want, I want my... um you know, my great, great, great grandchildren to reap the benefits of this business. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, legacy has definitely been something that I thought about. Like, oh, for me at this age, it's weird because again, we're second generation. So as second generation, a lot of our parents came here and they gave us the platform to now achieve. Some of some of our parents were on, you know, were worked so, so hard and, you know, made sure we always had something to eat and, you know, all of these things. And they actually brought us to, the, well, not brought us to the country, but they, you know, had a baby here and we're in this country and already we had the leg up on, you know, some of the people back in the diaspora. So it's now down to the second generation to now build on that. You've got the platform. Now it's time for you to springboard on that and build something for your legacy. And that's what I think about all the time. I think about what is my, you know, future son going to have? Where is he going to go to school? these are all things that are important to me. I don't want him to go through the same things that, um, you know, I went through or my daughter. I don't want her to go through the same things that I went through as a kid or girls um, that I grew up with went through as a kid. So, 
you know, I have to put in the work now and I have to make the necessary f- sacrifices because, you know, me, I've been on so many holidays, but my holidays in the last, say, two, three years have always been learning holidays. I've always learned something and I've always traveled. And that's how I have this business here today through going on these holidays. So I, I look at that and I think I can go on by drip and all of these other other stuff but you know what's important is the the bigger picture do you want to buy drip now and or do you want to spend this now or do all these other things now or do you want to say this is the money that i'm going to use if my business ever needs something for the long-term picture of saying if my business blows then if if we my plan is to you know retain 100% 100% ownership of it. But if we get to a stage where we're so big enough where somebody with the same values as us wants to buy us for uh, 100 mil or 200 mil or 500 mil or whatever, we know that one, you know, my legacy is going to be sorted. But two, not just my legacy, I'm thinking about black people. I'm thinking about the community. For me, charity is something I do, you know, all the time. Like, you know, we we are not, you know, we're not a big company, but it's something that's in our values. Pride, community, you know, sustainability, empowerment, those are our core values. So for us, it's more so about, it's, it's all about the community as well. And, you know, helping young, you know, young up and coming entrepreneurs any way we can. So going into 2021, that's something we want to do do more events, more speaking engagements where people see different types of businesses and they see representation because that's important and then also trying to give back so yeah if we ever have that type of money we'll be giving it back straight to the community because that's important i love that i love that and i agree with you like it is important that we give back to our communities and are able to impart the knowledge that we we have onto the next generation then onto you know our younger brothers and our sisters i think particularly with our generation or the next like Gen Z and the generations to come. So what are some things that you would say, or what is some advice you would give to somebody that is starting one, any sort of business or two, thinking about maybe owning a spirits company or just an alcohol brand in general? It's never ever as bad as you think it is. And that's probably the best advice I could say, because when you think it's like horrible and it's going horrible and you're having the worst time ever, it's never ever as bad as that. Like in two weeks, three weeks and a month's time after you've gone through that particular L or whatever, you just can think about it and just laugh about it. Like I laugh about so many things right now, even though they weren't funny at the time, even though they caused me so much stress and anxiety at the time. These are things I can laugh about. So it's never ever as bad as you think it is. And also, I feel like you have to, so you work out your body when you go to gym, you have to find a way to work out your mind, because entrepreneurship isn't for, um, isn't for the weak. And I'm being super honest, like when people try to tell people, oh, be an entrepreneur, be, uh, I could never work a nine to five. Listen, if I had a nine to five spirit, I'll be working a nine to five right, right now. It's just because I just—it's just not my spirit. Entrepreneurship is super, super hard. At the end of the day, everything begins and ends with you. So whatever your problem is, you have to sort it out. A famous quote I heard on you know on another podcast is, "Entrepreneurship is just about you're basically a firefighter, and the bigger you go, the more frequent the fires, 
but you've been through that so you're able to put them out quicker or you have a team to help you put them out but you're still going to go through problems regardless if you have three two co-founders three co-founders or you have a team of 500 200 there's always going to be something funny enough today um i saw a tweet where a hotel had just opened their doors today and then a customer decided to leave the tap running and it was flooded <gasps> you know what i mean like oh they've just God. gone through covid They've just gone through COVID and now their hotel is flooded. Again, it's so bad in the moment. It's so bad currently, so bad. They're probably going through things. They're so angry. They're thinking, oh, like just our luck or whatever. But in two weeks, three weeks, even a month, three months, two months or whatever, they're just going to look at it thinking, you remember that rubbish time we went through when this happened and that happened? <laughs> and that's literally it. That's literally it. At that time, and, and that's one thing I've learned. I've just learned to, you know, work out you know, do mental workouts, whether that be running, you know, even gym sometimes a mental workout, whether that be reading podcasts or whatnot. Um, that's helped me to think like this and just understand that nothing's ever permanent. Like something can be done. I've listened to podcasts where this business, they're a day from going bankrupt and they manage to salvage it. If a big business can do that, then a small business can. For sure. No, you're absolutely right. Like nothing is permanent and as the saying goes, this too shall pass. Um, so for you, like, how did you know this is worth chasing? This is something that's worth investing in. This is a company worth putting the the sweat and the tears into. Because I feel like sometimes with some of us, we have like a conviction. You know, you've got this idea in your head. You're like, I really want to do this. I really want to create this company or this service. How would you know if it's worth pursuing? Um, I just feel like, okay, like... This is like a good and a bad answer because I feel like passion is probably the most important thing because I'm passionate about it. But not everything you're passionate about is a good business. So that's why I say it's a, it's a good and a bad answer because, like, I don't know, somebody could be listening to this and be passionate about something that doesn't make no money. So I don't want to be telling you to go and pursue it because you have to have, um, you know, you've got to be grounded and you have to be a bit realistic. However, if you do have a business and you have tested your product and you see, oh, there's a want for this product, passion's always going to drive you through. When you have something, when you have a real story, one of the main reasons why I'm here today is I went to a rum festival. When I went to the rum festival, there was nobody that looked like me. And when I got to a table, um, I see a black lady but she didn't have a rum company. She sold rum cake. So that was her business. And that was her contribution to the rum festival, rum cake. She didn't have a spirits company. And then, you know, we looked at each other. We kind of shook our heads and we're like, nobody in here looks like us. And that kind of gave me the extra boost because I'm thinking, I may never ever see this lady again. But the disgust in her face, I can't let her down. Do you know what I mean? I can't let yeah. myself down. I can't let, you know, my family down. I can't let our ancestors down. People who struggled, who who were, were sold in plantations. People who, one thing that we do is a lot of rum companies pay homage to the pirate theme and waves and stuff like that. The waves on our bottle are not homage to, you know, the pirate theme. For us, it was like, initially it was our, like, oh, yeah, pirates or whatever. But when we started to learn about it, we're like, what about all the lost slaves at sea that didn't make it there? Who kind of pays homage to them? Who pays homage to their sacrifice? So for us, we, we say uh, that's what our bottles represent. So we couldn't not make it. 
because you know, there's nobody like us. There's nobody as brash as me. Nobody as young as me. Nobody that grew up in the same era that I grew up that is the type of person I am that's doing this. And that's what drives me because, you know, you've got a kid from the hood who's always going to talk like this, who isn't going to be speaking posh. I'll never, ever speak posh, you know, doing this. And so, yeah, that's definitely what drives me. Your uniqueness is, is what makes you stand out. Um, and mm. your story and your background and where you come from um, so in terms of kind of advice to anybody else it's just more so one like you said it has to make sense it has to be feasible and it has to be able to make your money but also what's your story and what's what's something special about your brand and why should people buy into it and obviously mm. for your story and, and the company it's distinct and it's not the same as all of the other rum companies we've seen before, but it's actually distinct to, to your history and your background and your ethnicity. What's been the best part of this journey that makes you get up every single morning and continue to, to chase this dream and continue building? It's just like seeing other people inspired, you know, seeing other people inspired and saying, DMing me and saying, listen, I listened to your episode on this, I listened to you, I saw your tweet, and yeah, like I'm inspired to do this, whether that be in the spirits industry or not, they're like inspired to do different things, and and then I just also just love that, you know, I've, I've met and I've and I've strengthened relationships off of this because it's just like I'm doing something really, really cool. I've had to meet this person and we've become we've become really, really cool. So yeah, just new relationships and just a sense of like empowering my community with whatever um, you know, endeavor they wanted to get into. I'm just happy to to, to be a part of that. Because again, as I said, there wasn't no representation in, in the spirits industry, nobody that came from where I come from so whatever that person wants to do them telling me yeah they've done it because of me or they're going to start because of me it's definitely probably one of my favorite it's one of my favorite things like I said before like it's inspiring just watching somebody that looks like me go into a space where we're not typically seen or represented and actually make a dent and make make room for themselves in in that world we love to see it um so before we end this episode we're going to do a quick little game of noms question time um this is where i ask you quick fire run questions and you have to answer them as quick as possible yeah you ready yeah i'm ready i'm ready okay so who inspires you jay-z what makes you happy mm, i was gonna say my girlfriend but that's corny but yeah my girlfriend oh that's nice um what do you want to be remembered for reinventing the rum industry and what advice would you give to your 16-year-old self? It's never as bad as you think it is. And you can overcome it. I love that. Thank you. Um, any last words for us um, before you leave us? I just want to say thank you for sharing your platform with me. You know, something that I really... Because, again, one thing that I felt to mention is the amount of podcasts that have helped me. Like, so many podcasts so many events have have reached out to me to have me on and that's done wonders for me that's literally opened so many doors and introduced me to so many people so without the podcast I wouldn't be here either do you know what I mean so everybody that does a podcast I'm so happy like if I've got time I always anybody like I don't think I've ever said no to a podcast that's centered around uh you know things like this obviously there's some podcasts that just want to you know be talking about anything so that I ain't got time for but you know most <laughs> podcasts I, I've I've done all of them because again without a podcast I wouldn't be here so that's my way of trying to you know 
give back in sense of I just want to you know be a part of this journey and uh, be a part of you know again maybe one day your podcast does crazy yeah. numbers and it's mil- two million you know every episode I want to be you know one of the f- one of the first people that was on that podcast and say yeah like yeah. I was actually on this podcast it was sick <laughs> she's doing two million she's now a millionaire <laughs> do you know what I mean so um yeah no I really appreciate um you sharing your platform no of course thank you for sharing your story again like it's for me, it's all about one, sharing other people's stories and giving a platform for other people to talk about the great things they're doing and the change that they are making um, in this world. And hopefully for the listeners to just maybe learn from someone else's story, but also be inspired to chase their own goals and chase their own vision. And you've definitely done that. So thank you. Um, where can we find you and the, the company? Where can we follow yeah so if you want to find me or if the best place to follow is just follow um our company business um so that's lasolas.uk on instagram and lasolasuk on twitter so any of the two just follow that and yeah great thank you and hopefully well not hopefully because i know it will happen you know we are going to see last or less blow up and be the the rock of this decade and you know kind of be 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 the bottles we see in every other music video be the bottle of choice for everybody's birthday celebrations at the clubs when we're going out at events when we're celebrating and yeah i look forward to kind of seeing you guys grow and blow up and just be become bigger and bigger thank you very much again i appreciate um the words or the kind words i appreciate the platform and yeah hopefully one day we are as big as you know Sorok or yeah no definitely and for the listeners if you want to purchase a bottle you can go on where can where can they go um so we're currently sold out but when we're so the best thing to uh, to do is probably go on our website which is lasolasrumclub.com and sign up to our mailing list so if you sign up to our mailing list or go on our instagram and click the link in the bio if you sign up to our mailing list we'll be able to keep you informed of when uh, we're back in stock because we're making some improvements eventually we're going to change the website we're in- including some packaging some other cool stuff in there that we think is necessary to take the brand to the next level so yeah so just bear with us we'll be back um you know better than ever perfect okay and that is it thank you so much Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss any new episodes. And of course, share it with your friends and I'll catch you on the next episode.